Self-made just means being able to do what you want on your time. You make the rules and you can live your life like that. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing good. Thanks so for having excited me. to talk to you, Chris. Nah, me too. I me think too. This is, I think what you do is so cool. Nah, I appreciate it. Appreciate um, it. Same for me. So where wait, first, where are you? I'm uh, I'm in New York. I'm where at my apartment. Uh Midtown. Midtown Manhattan. Midtown East. Midtown. All right. So for everybody, so since no one knows who the hell I am, except some old guy on uh, 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 on on Instagram, um, I, I own, I'm Brett Barish. I own a bunch of alcohol brands. I used to own uh, Ace of Spades. I still own a piece of uh, still own in Doucet. I have uh, Bel Air, Chris. I don't know if you know Bamboo McQueen. Um, and I started this series a couple of years ago called Self Made. I've interviewed a whole bunch of people you know, Dave East, who I love, who's a good friend of you. Yeah, uh, sure. I love Dave to to Post Malone to Rick Ross to athletes. I just did uh, what did I do? Quinnen Williams of the Jets a couple days ago. Uh, Warren Sapp, Muggsy Bogues. We'll appreciate Muggsy was awesome. Yeah, he was. He's a legend. Uh, he's just you know he was shot when he was like three or five years old. No, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. Wow. Um, but I, I get to do this series, which is so motivating for me because. I grew up, and uh, I loved hearing, I, I realized I loved hearing, I didn't have, like hearing the success side, but I liked hearing the troubling side, meaning the difficult side. Yeah. And we started That's the this best thing part called, sometimes. It is the best part. Um, mm -hmm. It's called self-made, and I ask everybody the same question, and I'll ask you, what does self-made mean to you? To me? It's um, a good question. Uh, I would say self-made just means being able to do what you want on, on a regular basis on, on your time. Um, you kind of make the rules and you, you can live your life like that. You can, you can live your life being a leader and kind of, you know, kind of what you do. You're, you're, you're the definition of self-made, you know, starting all these companies and being successful. Uh, that's kind of what I think self-made is. Do, do you, uh, did you imagine because uh, I have so many questions, but did you imagine what you're doing today is what, what, if you were a little kid wondering what the hell you'd be doing today? Nah, no, not at all. When I was a little kid, I wanted to play in the NBA and then I wanted to get into coaching. I, I never thought I would be like a trainer. Uh, I never thought I would be that full time. I didn't, I didn't know how I would make, you know, pay my bills doing that. And, um, but no, I love what I do. Uh, but no, I didn't think that I would be. So, so, so take, take the NBA first. So you, I, you, I, I get, you must've loved basketball. You love playing. Was your family sure. supportive of basketball for you? Big time, big time. Me and me and my dad, I played basketball every day growing up before school, after school. I was like my love. So I've always been obsessed with the game. It's been like my first love always will be. And uh, yeah, so I'm blessed. Who were some of the players? Basketball. Who were the, some of the players you looked up to? When I was young, uh, yeah. probably like Larry Bird, uh, you know, uh, Magic Johnson, uh, Sean Kemp, Detlef Schrempf, uh, you know, I, I was huge in the basketball. Penny Hardaway, Shaq. All the guys, but what position did you play? I played point guard. So, you know, I Everybody, looked up to 
Hold on. Everybody who just said it is it are centers or forwards. Yeah. So I guess I looked magic. up to Jason Williams. I looked up to yeah. Pistol Pete. Uh, yeah. You know, I looked up to those guys, and that was kind of who I tried to model my life after. I wanted to be Jason Williams. I wanted to be Pistol Pete. And, uh, yeah. When did – what was the frustrating part of – of you wanting to achieve that goal? The frustrating part. Well, growing up in New Hampshire, it's not much, you know, there's, there's not many NBA players from New Hampshire. There's not many Division One players get to go to play college from New Hampshire. So being from New Hampshire, you know, I wasn't super athletic. I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I'm not like some freak nature, like seven-footer walking around. So I had to work really hard to, to earn the respect. And, you know, I did that. And... I got a scholarship to play college, and I took basketball as far as I could and as a player. And then I got into coaching, and I'm still trying to, you know, push the limits of how far I can take the game. So when did, uh, when did basketball turn into coaching for you, that concept of being that? Back. So when I started playing, when I, my last few years, have you ever heard of Rick Pitino? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, of course, of course. So I played for Rick Pitino, uh, Hall of Fame coach, and – so my last few years, I knew I wasn't going to make the NBA. So I was just trying to learn from him. And I, that's kind of really when it began. I, you know, I brought my notebook to practice, brought my notebook to workouts, and I would write down the workouts. And then um, first year out of college, he got me a graduate assistant position at Ole Miss. And um, I was there for a year. And then I was the youngest Division One coach at Fairleigh Dickinson in New Jersey. And then I got a job with the Knicks, and that kind of changed my life. So I'm always curious, and I asked Sap this question, I asked Quinn Williams this question, you know, being an elite athlete and playing a sport that you love, why choose a school that you most likely won't play? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so, so competitive. That's, that's true. It's a good question. So my first school, I went to Northeastern, and uh, it's a, it's a uh, lower Division One school in Boston by where I grew up in New Hampshire. And... Um, so I did that, and then I was like, you know what? I just want to play at the highest possible level I can play at. I worked my whole life to play basketball. I'm going to just try to go to the highest level possible. And it wasn't even about I'll be a starter. I just wanted to experience basketball at its highest at that level. And I did that, and it was a good choice because, you know, I got to know Coach Patino, and I kind of took off running from there. It was a good platform for me. Wow. Tell me, who else was playing then that went to the NBA on your on, on Louisville on the Cardinals on that team? Um, I think like not no no big superstars, but like Terrence Williams played in the NBA for a little yeah. bit. Earl Clark played in the NBA for a little bit. Um, that was it, really. Russ Smith played in the NBA for a little bit, but there was no superstars what's, on the team. What's the and Sap had a great answer. What's the difference between, uh, you know, that NBA player and that guy on the cusp? Do you know what I mean? That's a great question. So that's what I, I that's my job. I, you know, I work out these players, and you always see that's doesn't that's that NBA guy. He takes it serious. He, I, I call it like the three hour. Um, it's like the three hour thing. Like so, if when a player comes in and wants to get his workout in for an hour wants to lift for an hour, and then he does recovery for an hour. Those are usually like the NBA players, the ones that take take their craft serious. And then there's guys that just, they don't take it as serious. They might come in here for an hour and just play and then get out of here. So I think it's 
the difference between an NBA player and a player that's not in the NBA is just how serious they take their craft. Is, is it their life? When they wake up, is their day surrounded by their workout or do they just throw the workout in there sometime? So I think just NBA players have a different um, – they carry themselves different. They, they really work hard, just like, you know, self-made. They have that perspective. They have that self-made perspective where it's either I'm going to do this or I don't know what else I'm going to do with my life. And they have that. Can, can, can you say the same thing about an NBA player who's playing all the time versus one who's on the NBA and not? Meaning there's a different level – do you know what I mean? To the commitment? Yeah, for sure. And then, so you're saying even it, once you're in the NBA, that's levels for sure. Correct. For sure. And that's, that's the hundred million dollar player versus the guy that maybe makes 10 million over his career. It's just a different mindset. It's the way they, it's, it's the way they handle business, which is how they work out, how they eat. Do they sleep enough? Um, are they coachable? And you know, that, that, that goes, that plays a lot with it. Players don't understand that. Do, do you think, cause I find it so interesting because I think the parallels between whether it's any NBA sport to music to, you know, uh, it could be an actor and actress. It's the same mindset. It's how much work you put in, how much effort you put in. Do you do you think it's possible to change somebody? Meaning like rewire them? Correct. Either they have it or they don't. Um. You know, that's a great question. It's a million dollar question right there. Uh, I would like to think that I can change. I, me personally, I'm a trainer. So I, my goal is to help these players achieve their dreams. Sometimes you get a player that his work ethic might be a little off and you just really work on that. You work on how he thinks and you work on his habits, really. And I think you can change someone's habits. I think anyone's habits can be changed over consistency. But they need to want it, too. You can't just want it. It needs to be a two-way street. And, you know, they need to somewhere in their brain want to be able to change and want to be able to achieve what it is they want to achieve. And then I can help from there. So, yeah, I think you can rewire people for sure. Do you do you think those people and those people that are can be rewired are the ones that kind of hit bottom, if you know what I mean? They got to You know what? I got to do something different. I this isn't working I, you do know, I oh, do I think to rewire to rewire someone that they need to hit bottom? I think you know sometimes I feel like people they get really motivated once failure once you know adver- once they hit adversity and there's a lot of people that hit adversity and they don't bounce back and there's a lot of people that hit adversity and they bounce back and they like you said they rewire themselves and they become better than ever and um, that's kind of yeah I, I believe that. Have you ever thought about? I'm curious. And uh, let's call it a, a, a player that's not playing today. Who you wish you could have gotten in their head? That's deep, uh, for sure, for sure. I'll be watching old games from the '80s and '90s, and maybe not like get in their head, but just like, I man, I would love to work with him. I would have loved yeah. to work with Crystal Pete. I would have loved to work with Jason Williams. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I would have loved to work with Michael Jordan. That would have been awesome. So yeah, that's definitely players like that. But but, but I, I'm guessing like part of you because it's the idea of making someone better. I would think it's like you see somebody who has so much potential, mm-hmm. and they're not achieving it. Like it, uh, it happens uh, all the time. It happens all the time. There's guys that you know. It's, I'll give you an example. You're top five in the country coming out of high school, and you have all the hype in the world, and then you go to college. 
and you kind of feed into the hype, don't have a great year, and then now you're in the NBA draft. And you think, okay, well, my whole life I've been top yep. 10 in the country. This one year is not going to do anything. And you kind of have to sit the player down. I do it all the time. And I'm like, listen, you need to reinvent yourself. Like What you did 10 years ago doesn't mean anything now. You need to reinvent yourself in the pre-draft. You need to reinvent yourself when you get to the NBA. So I think that's kind of what where my part comes in. I, I kind of give these guys a reality check, a friendly reality check, and they know I only want their best interest. Do, 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 playing off that, and, and again, because I deal with lots of artists or celebrities and lots of managers who have to manage these people, that's the heart. You're a manager in the same thing. It's the hardest thing in the world to convince somebody to do something when they're not. How do you, how do you, uh, you don't want to be a sycophant just telling them you can't. Otherwise, you, you don't get anything out of it. Your whole goal is to get more. How do you do it? I think you just, you figure out, well, what I do personally, I can speak for myself. I figure out why are you playing basketball? Why do you want to achieve this dream? Why do you want to be an NBA player? Why do you want the $100 million deal? Why do you want a sneaker deal? Why do you want to become a superstar? And then you figure out why. Everyone has a different why. Some people are motivated because they want to make their girlfriend proud. Some just want to make their family proud. Some want the money. Some want the fame. There's all different ways. And once you figure out why they want it, then you can really dig deep and figure out how to get to them and how to make them learn and how to motivate them. But if you don't know why they want to get to where they want to get to, you're not going to have uh, an easy job. It's going to be almost impossible. Chris, how how did you figure that that out? Like, how did you figure out that that was kind of the ethos for, for, for getting it just starting the conversation, if you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think just observing people, I've always been someone that, you know, when someone's talking, I try and read them. I try and understand who they are as a person. I've always been like that. And, I think Coach Patino taught me, you know, the, the basketball side and stuff. But since a little kid, I've always read people and thought I was a good people person. I understood why people wanted stuff, why people asked for stuff, what makes people tick. And uh, I've kind of used that life skill with my career, and it's worked out. So I saw it still shows up on the uh, Fairleigh Dickinson site. It says under at the end of it about you, it says motivational speaker. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think back then I was doing some, but yeah, uh, I think I'm before the world, before quarantine and all this happened in COVID, I was going to start talking to some Ivy League schools, uh, but I'm not really a motivational speaker yet. Uh, I would like to be one day. But is that, but I'm, I'm more curious, it's like, is you saw something where I can, can I can, it's, it's being a coach is I can share wisdom to motivate someone to do something else. It's not just coaching. Sure. Motivational speaking is coaching. For sure. It is. I guess it goes hand in hand. So yeah, I, I, I do that every single day. I just got out the gym 10 minutes ago, right before we got on with a player that's about to be an NBA player. And I'm kind of trying to rewire his brain as we speak to, you know, becoming something greater. So um, is, yeah. is, is, is for you. Cause I have, Again, I think there's certain things in life that kind of carry forward, and there is that herd mentality. If you can convince, if you can make someone better, other people will hear, and they'll want to be involved. Is that what happened with you? 100%. I think, and that kind of goes with, you know, good energy is contagious and positive vibes. And, you know, I think people saw that I don't want anything from these players. I really don't. 
I just want to make them better. I want you to achieve your dream, whether it's play college, whether it's make the NBA, or whether it's sign that first $100 million deal. Um, I'm here to help you do that. And no matter what circumstance you come from or uh, no matter what the story is, we're going to figure it out. I can promise you that. That's what I do. Is, was Carmelo the first for you, the big name? Big he name. was the first superstar for sure. And um, I'm thankful to this day. Me and Melo have a great we have a really good relationship. Uh, we talk all the time. But, yeah, if it wasn't for him, I'm not sure if everything would have trickled down after. Is, who was the easiest to date? The easiest to, to – he'd do everything and anything I ask. <laughs> um, as I've gotten more successful, I guess people have been – players, they listen to what I say. And once you build a resume that people respect, they tend to listen. And that's a – that's a blessing, but at the same time, I need to understand that and make sure everything that comes out of my mouth is it's going to help them. Um, so I guess that's the blessing and a curse of being successful is people are going to listen to what you have to say. So now I just kind of need to do my homework extra, which I definitely do. And, and I find it, again, I, I can appreciate it from my perspective of we do a lot with the music industry. I don't want anything from the artist. I want to help mm -hmm. the artist. It's sure. to me. You said somewhat of the same thing of, you know what, I don't want anything. I just want to help you be better at what you do, and I win from that. 100%. You couldn't have said it better. I love this line. Um, he's the king of, of the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and as Kenneth said that, right? Yep. Yeah, like, but I, I think that's, like, like it's perfect. It enca encapsulates everything about you because that's the goal there. There are those who are going to walk away and there's those who are going to say, you know what? It starts today. Yep, for sure. And that was, that's a blessing when players want to speak, you know, speak about me in the media. It's, it's a really, it's a cool thing. I, I, I really don't need it. I don't thrive off that. I tend the day I'm still going to in the off season, get the players and try to help the players get better. And that's really what it's all about. That's what it's always been about. It's a blessing. Do you have you turned down people? For sure. Yeah. As I've gotten, yeah. So I can't take on everyone that that comes to me. I try and I don't want to take someone that I don't that I think's in it for the wrong reason. So what we're talking about is what you're motivated by. I try and stay away from the players that aren't motivated by the game. There's some players that are motivated by social media or motivated by. They want people to think a certain way, but they really might not love the game. I try and stay away from players like that. I want a player that genuinely loves the game and wants to improve on his craft. I, I try and stay away from the other stuff. Can you tell if they're bullshitting you? Yeah, you can. The first few conversations, you just ask what you get, what do you want out of this? And if they start saying, I want you to post all my workouts on Instagram, I'm like, ah, I'm going to stay away from that. Um, so you, you can figure it out in the first few conversations. Does it matter? So... If if it's a guy on the bench or the guy who's trying to get to the NBA, um, is that almost more motivated? Uh, I shouldn't say. In some ways, you want the big name star, but in other ways, you want the guy who you can turn into the big name star. You know what both I mean? Like which, which one's better? It man, it, it both really. That I, I would I love having the player that's amazing, the MVP type player because there's always something to work on. I don't care who you are. But then I also love that player that you just see his potential. And you see, like, listen, if I can get you to work hard for two months next year, you'll be most improved player. And that's happened before. I've had players where I've seen that, and they became most improved player. So it's amazing just to uh, be part of that and witness it. Which is which? Do you think has the most effect? Is it most uh, fulfilling? 
No, no, a fact that, meaning, uh, is it the is it mental that has to change or is it the physical that has to change? That's a good question. So sometimes it is the physical. The player needs to tweak his jump shot or lower his release or follow through different. But then there's some players, they have all the skills in the world. They just might get too mad when they miss it or they might get too happy when things are going good and you need to fix their mental. So every player is their own case. But I, I would say there's a little bit of both. Um, I personally, I don't want to just work with the player that needs to work on his jump shot or just work with the player that doesn't have the best attitude. I like them all. Is there is there conflict between you and the teams? Meetings? No, we, we get we kind of get on the same page. So, for example, like an Ennis Canner last offseason, the Boston Celtics would come in and they would kind of give me some of their defensive principles and say, you know, work on this in the workout. And that sometimes as certain players with other teams where the coach might be like, I want the player to get better at this. So I'm mindful of that during the workout. And, I, you know, we try and get better at that. Do you ever... Do you ever go to old school players and ask them, ask them about what worked for them or get their energy to kind of learn? Just like, just like my conversation with, 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 uh, with Muggsy was just like, you know, like I picked up like from a business perspective, the, the, the thing he said to me was the reason I was successful is I leaned into what I was good at. I didn't pretend to be something else. I just yes. focused on what I'm good at. So that's, that's a principle I can now take forward into something else. For sure. I, I go to the greats all the time. Alan Houston has been big with me. We've, we've formed a really good relationship. And Tracy McGrady. And there's been a bunch of guys that played in the past. And I'll sit down with them, ask them questions, kind of say, you know, when you, back in the day when you played, how, how hard would you go in the offseason? Would you go six days? Would you go three days? Or, you know, during the season, what worked for you? How much film did you work? Did you watch? And I, and I definitely take that. Um, you always got to figure out what the greats did. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's what was your What was your takeaway from uh, Last Dance? The Last Dance was amazing. I, my takeaway was Michael Jordan was an amazing leader. That was did my you see anything? Did you see anything that, that, that you didn't like that, the way he, way he did it? Um. No, I respect it. Uh, I think everyone does it their own way to a point. And, but I, I respected how Phil Jackson coached that team. I respected how Michael Jordan carried himself. And he figured out what motivated Dennis. And that's why he let him and Phil let Dennis go to Vegas for a few days during the season yeah. and come back. And they, so they kind of figured out, you know, what makes these guys tick and we're going to get the best out of you. I think Michael Jordan got the best out of that team. So my favorite line was actually from uh, Phil Jackson when he said, um, you know, and I take it from even business, you know, you got to, when you, if you got to make change, make, you know, pivot and pivot quickly, meaning adapt and move on quickly. Like, like that's something I took away that I thought was just, yeah, that's, that's business. Like today you got to move quickly. Um, For sure. And you have to evolve too. And I think that correct. that documentary showed how they evolved, how Phil evolved. He got past his habits and he made it work for that team. Do you think you could ever coach? Coach yeah, in the, sure. sense of the traditional sense? For sure. I think so. I definitely think so. Uh, right now, I love what I do, so I wouldn't leave being a trainer. But I think down the line, I would definitely get into coaching. Do you think you could ever just train for one team? Yeah, so I did that with the Knicks for like five seasons. It was amazing being in New York, going to Madison Square Garden. You know, being part of that, it was really cool. And um, 
right now, I, I left three years ago, so I'm still kind of new doing my own thing. But maybe down down the line, I'll definitely do something like that. I just got offered, yeah, I get offered positions all the time in the NBA, but I'm not ready yet. It, it, can you can you appreciate? Because again, you know, uh, learning about you, you've created your own self-made thing that didn't exist before. Like For sure. you are an entity. You you people. It's not just the it's not just the basketball you know players. It's the it's the Justin Bieber. It's a Quavo. It's people are looking to you. You created something. Was that the intent, or it's evolved to this? You know, when you're going through the grind, kind of what you said. You said you love the grind. You love when people hit adversity. When you're going through that, you're not thinking like this is what I'm trying to do. You're just grinding every single day. If you wake up, you're like I'm gonna get as many players as I can better and. I like music, so at night I go to the studio and I would just keep grinding. Next thing I knew, people were, you know, taking a liking to it. And um, next thing I knew, I'm signing deals no one's ever signed for a trainer, and then I'm building a whole lane for trainers across the world. For you know, I want to be like Chris Brickley, and uh, I didn't know I was building that. I just had my head down, had my blinders on, and I was working. And then eventually, after years and years of it. I built opportunity for other trainers. It's amazing. It's a dream come true when I look back at it. Um, I would like I, I would be lying to you if I was like, yeah, that was my plan the whole time. It wasn't my plan the whole time. But uh, looking back, it's dope that it became my reality. Correct. But but and again, from a from what I do for a living, the thing I get the most kick out of is just doing things that just feels right and going for it. And I know you did. Uh, uh, I read about colorblind. Yeah. And yeah. To me, that's the same thing. That idea that you know what? I have an idea. I'm gonna go do this, and mm-hmm. let's see. Yeah, for let's sure. Let's just see if it works. Exactly. So I uh, I was in New York when I was working with the Knicks. I, you know, Donald Trump just got elected, and there was all types of still going on today. All types of police shootings, and I was like, man, what if the world was all one color? Right? What if we were all colorblind? And I put that in a hoodie, and. Uh, few years later, it's, it's a whole brand. We built a brand, me and my manager, and uh, it's dope. Colorblind is a really cool brand, for sure. It, it, do, 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 you, um, do you get more kick out, kick out of it today, the idea that, for example, whether it's Instagram or someone DM, DMing you who wants to be a trainer? Like you for that, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's amazing. It happens. It happens every day. People want to be trainers now. People want to sign a sneaker deal. Or people want to have their own gym, or people want to be an NBA 2K. So it's amazing that I could have, you know, built a platform for kids to, you know, I'm not good enough to play in the NBA. I love basketball. Maybe I can be a trainer. I think that's dope. When did when did uh, uh, when did you realize that you know what? Even if it's not the NBA, I want to stick to it to the basketball world, the realm. That's what's making me happy. I th- I think from day one, I always knew I wanted to get into basketball. I wanted to be a player, and then that just transferred over. I want to be a coach. That transferred over. I want to be a trainer. So I, basketball has never been number two in my life. It's always been number one. It's always been at the forefront. Did was there anybody out there who said, you know what, move on, Chris? Come on, man. You gotta stick um, to the real world. Get do accounting. Do something else. I've had, an amazing, I've had an amazing family, amazing father. So, no, they've always told me to chase your dreams, and I've done that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Chris, so before we go, I want to have just a little fun. 
So I do okay. uh, 10 quick words. I'm going to ask you a, a couple of words. Just give me one word answers, word association. All right. Okay. Let's do it. All right. First one, New Hampshire. Boring. Northeastern. The beginning. The Knicks. Amazing. Louisville. Survival. Colorblind. Equality. Black Ops. An Empire. Donovan Mitchell. Superstar. Dave East. A legend. Carmelo. Best score of all time. Michael or LeBron? <laughs> LeBron. <Michael Hawks. laughs> Favorite team of all time? Like the 80, the 90 Celtics. All right. Puma. Dope. All right. I love it. I, I, I wish you, I think it's amazing what you've created for yourself. Really. I think it just shows love of what you do can create any opportunity for you. If you chase it, you can build your own empire and that's what you're doing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Anything I can ever do, please ask. Um, we'll keep following you. We'll keep supporting you every, any way we possibly can. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Later.